The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie De La Tour, and this week we have a story from author, filmmaker, and feminist porn pioneer, Madison Young. How's your week going? I am kind of freaking out, and I'll tell you in just a few minutes why. But first, I wanted to read you some fan mail that I got, mostly because it has a really interesting question that it posits, and plus, it was very entertaining to me. The person who wrote this email is named Matthew. Matthew, I just want to say, I hope it's okay that I'm reading this email. I haven't checked in with you, but you have a name that is not going to give your identity away. And I really loved this email. So I figured I'd answer it live on the podcast for you. The headline says, I think I have a crush on Ouchie the Clown. Thank you for your hard work, Dixie. And Matthew says, hi, Dixie. Just wanted to say you did your friend Ouchie the Clown justice. I'd never heard of him till this week, and I've got to say that hearing his speech and Googling for his interviews and performances, I think I've developed a bit of a crush. Not the legacy he was expecting to leave, I'm sure, but still, actually, that's exactly the legacy he wants to leave, Matthew. But still, there's something about your choice of queer dude public speakers, especially that combination of slightly older but still playful and slightly weird but still fairly safe that seems to strike the slot machine in my brain. I also share your fascination for collecting unusual people and their anecdotes, albeit in a less provocative way. I'm only working part-time at the moment, otherwise I'd be happy to tip you for your series, but I start a new job in January, so maybe I'll be making a few choice creator donations. And then, Matthew asks, any wisdom for bringing that kind of sexy mischief to the UK? I currently live in a Welsh city known for Doctor Who and rugby, but not particularly for any real adventures, and I think I've swiped through every singleton in town. Which of the body games would translate well to defrost the frigid British world? Is it true that you collect used pants as a blind dating service? You guys. (laughs) Are there any other cool kinky characters I should check out in your orbit? I especially like people who lean more on the goofy side than the scary side. Keep up the good work, Matthew. Okay, let me address the used pants question. Is it true that you collect used pants as a blind dating service? That is the most interesting way I've ever had anybody describe my game sniff test. So as you know, I do like to push the envelope and I don't take it on tour because it's a lot. But, um, you know, my diehard people who've seen me over and over again know what to expect. So many years ago, I had a show. 
And in it, I had a, we'll call them a gold star queer in the lineup, male identified at the time. And I also had a sex worker in the lineup. And she had asked when I said, would you like to have a table to sell your books or any of those things? She had said, well, can I sell my used panties? And I said, well, if the venue asked, I said, no, but the answer is yes. And so when she came in, there was a table laid out for her eight foot of her used panties in Ziploc bags with a little table tent that said, used panties, 10 to $40 sliding scale. That's the most San Francisco thing I've probably ever read. Sliding scale, used panties. And halfway through the show, I'm getting ready to come back from break. And I see Matthew, who is carrying a pair of Maxine's panties. And I'm like, Matthew, what are you, what are you doing with those? And Matthew said, um, well, you know, my partner's bisexual. And he couldn't be here tonight. And I thought, since stories bring us together, I'd bring him home. We'd huff the bag. And then maybe he could tell me stories about some of his sexual antics. Thought it was a good conversation starter. Which is incredibly brilliant. That's how you use storytelling to your benefit. Get to know the people in your life better. And several people are gathered around me and we're all like, can we smell her panties? So we're all like sniffing. So Matthew opens the Ziploc bag and we all start huffing these panties. Ooh, it's a little cinnamon in there. What is that? Wow. We're just all passing them around. There's like eight or 10 of us sniffing the sex worker's panties that she's selling that night. And that stuck with me, you know? I was like, well, if someone like Matthew, who identifies as never having any interest in sleeping with a female, then there's something that could be done with that, right? I started doing research and I learned that there's a thing called pheromone dating. And pheromone dating, which particularly is big in the UK, the way that I read about it years ago was that you sign up, you pay, they send you an American apparel t-shirt, I believe, and then they ask you to work out in it or bike to work or whatever you wanna do but wear it and then you return it in a Ziploc bag. And then they will divide those things into male and female and you go to the proper pile, sniff, and all those people are in that room in what is essentially a dating event. But that's not how body does things, right? So I started thinking about how I could do something like that. I decided we'd have three options, pink, blue, and lavender, however you choose to identify. And I asked people, if they would bring items that were a little bit more body. Dirty panties, used socks. I mean, we have a gay male contingent. Come on, used socks works for some people, particularly that audience. Some people put bras that had a little bit of perfume, but a lot of kind of smell to them. I mean, they got to choose. There were jock straps, there were socks. There were a lot, a lot of used panties. And people would put them in a Ziploc bag, We'd assign them a number. We'd say pink, blue, or lavender. One of those would go on the bag. One of those would go on the shirt or chest of the person who had donated. Sounds like a terrible idea, doesn't it? <laughs> it was so much fun watching the audience play in this way. And they were so nice about it. They just find the person and just go, I just want to tell you, you have the best scent. I really enjoyed the way you smell you can't go over and huff people. Got to do it with permission. So that game was named brilliantly by my friend Benji. He called it Sniff Test. 
and it is a staple in our stable, I guess you would say. So Matthew, I can tell you, you got to have a fully onboard audience to pull that one off. It's a tough one. I've done it many times, but as for a frigid British environment, I don't think that's your starting point. I'll give it some thoughts, see if I can come up with an answer that does apply, but I just wanted to let you know that I really loved your email. I'm so grateful that you took the time to write it out, and I love that you're trying to brighten up the city you live in. I mean, way to make the world be the way you want it to be. Make it happen. And as to why I referenced being extremely stressed out, well, a little bit later on in this podcast, you're going to get to hear an announcement of the new cities that I am bringing body to. And guess what? There's a lot of them. If you think you may be struggling with relationship OCD, there's hope. OCD is more than what you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your sexuality stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you tried to make them go away. Relationship OCD is an often overlooked subtype of OCD that comes with unrelenting, intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about your partner, loved one, or sexuality. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, the gold standard treatment for OCD. With NoCD, you can do virtual, live, face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed, specially trained therapists. It's affordable, and they accept most major insurance plans. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. To get started, go to NoCD to book your free 15-minute call. That's NoCD.com, and there's a link to them in the show notes. Well, I've been getting lots of private messages from people saying, last week you said that if we contacted you privately, you'd tell us where the show is going. Because we want to plan our travel, we want to book hotel rooms, we want to book airline flights. Can you let us know now? And I love that. That makes me feel like maybe this might work. Because I'll be honest with you, going on tour is one of the most terrifying things you can do. Will you have an audience? Will you be sitting in a room alone and no one shows up? Will you be disappointing a venue who's expecting great things from you because they've heard you're good at what you do? All of those things pile on and they can knock you on your ass. And I have been knocked on my ass lately by this. But because San Francisco has not come back to live shows, I'm going on tour. And even though I've lost an enormous amount of time in the planning, and that was not through any fault of my own, I'm trying to do it anyway. So I'm going to tell you where I'm planning to come. These contracts are not signed yet, so don't hold this against me. But I want you to start making travel plans. Because I can't think of anything better than getting to meet you in person. So here we go. Baltimore, January 19th and 20th. That one is confirmed in Baltimore. Very excited about the venue for that one. And those tickets should be on my website this week. Then we're looking at Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Nashville, New York City, and Atlanta. Those locations will probably be available on City Winery's websites. So sign up for their newsletter and go to their website and see if tickets are available. They're not available. The contract's not signed yet. I know that we have a lot of fans who are in Chicago and Boston. There are also city wineries in those cities, y'all. And I'd love to make this tour easier by doing it all with a chain rather than trying to hunt down 
different venues and hoping they get back to me. And that's kind of how I lost so much time. So contact your local city winery and tell them you want body storytelling. I'm going to be on the East Coast anyway, so maybe I'll add those cities too. Thank you for buying tickets as soon as you find those tickets online. That makes a huge difference. It really does. It shows the venue that we're worth their time. And it shows me that you're going to show up and I won't be sitting in that room alone on the East Coast waiting for you. Get your tickets now. It's time for a story. So let me tell you about this week's storyteller. Madison Young is a sexual revolutionary that has been smashing stigma in the media for two decades across multiple mediums and platforms, including several critically acclaimed books, touring with their one-woman off-Broadway show, Reveal All, Fear Nothing, and directing, hosting, and producing the documentary television series, Submission Possible, for Reverie TV. Young brings her 20 years of experience as a pioneer in the feminist porn movement, along with her award-winning filmmaking and writing talents, to her many projects in a way that reflect the emotional nuance and authentic vulnerability that has become a signature of Young's work. Young has been featured on HBO's Real Sex and has been profiled for her expertise in feminism, erotic film, and sexuality on Dateline NBC, MTV, Slut Ever on Viceland, Bravo TV, The New York Times, Savage Love, BBC, Elle Magazine, and Elite Daily, just to name a few. The reach and impact of Young's writing and filmmaking is deep and has garnered praises from celebrity icons including Margaret Cho, Dave Navarro, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Amanda Palmer, and Diablo Cody. Young just finished wrapping up season two of the documentary TV series Submission Possible. And hey, I went to see it this week. I got to see the world premiere of season two of Submission Possible. And it's pretty great, you guys. And last year, Young opened The Arbor, a new art space and screening room in San Francisco's Mission District that is dedicated to amplifying the voices of queer and transgender narratives in film, television, and visual art. This storyteller is Madison Young. You're gonna have me crying. The topic is a four letter word love. (laughs) Because you know what? Fucking kinksters deserve love too. We can, it's not just fairy tales and Hallmark that get the love. No, no, no. We can have a love story, a fairy tale that has whips and chains and rope and nipple clamps. So this particular love story takes us back 18 years when I was a traveling bondage and fetish model, which I don't even know if that career exists really anymore. However, 18 years ago it did, and I would get on any bus, any train, any plane, and fly to some city. I'd be in in Copenhagen, London, New York, Seattle, LA, all over the place. This particular day, 
I was in Seattle. I was taking uh, a trip to Seattle. And a friend had told me about this uh, rope artist and photographer there um, who had a site called Nawashibari. And uh, that this, this particular rope artist tied really tight. And I love tight, tight rope bondage. You know, so many people, they, they're always checking in with me and they're like, is that comfortable? And I'm like, I sure as fuck hope not. I don't want it to be comfortable. Um, so I was excited about the prospect of meeting someone who understood tight rope bondage. So I got there early, knocking eagerly on the door of the address that I was given, um, ringing the doorbell, probably for a good 10 minutes, and no one is answering. Eventually, someone comes out. It's not the rope artist. And uh, it's the person who owns the space. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's on, he's on the schedule. Come on in. He can do your makeup, get dressed, get ready. I was like, oh, OK. But th this was in my kind of punk rock days. So um, it didn't really take very long for me to do that. I um, threw on an outfit that I had in my L.L. Bean backpack and uh, got out my makeup kit, which consisted of uh, mascara, eyeliner, red lipstick, and nipple clamps. I don't know why I kept my nipple clamps in my makeup bag, <laughs> but that just, it seemed like the place that they belonged. Um, so I was ready. I had my makeup done, sitting there, reading a book, and, uh, and then in walks the rope artist. And, um, he apologizes for being late and uh, walks me over to the set. And our dance began. I started stretching and it's just always like, ah, yeah, gotta get ready. Yeah, ready. And uh, he's, he's gazing, he's watching, he's, he's watching me stretch and he takes my arms and he, has my elbows meet in the back, and he's like, oh yeah, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was really fun. Um, he got out his rope, and just as soon as his rope met my skin, it just melded with me, and became one with it, I felt his warm hands on my body and the rope wrapping around my flesh, cinching into me, creating a chest harness and then cinching my legs together and then connecting my chest harness to the legs and I was in this beautiful ebby, but no, 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 he knew that Madison Young could do more. So we had to go up in the air and then invert me. And he just smiled, just watching as I said, more, more, more. And he twirled me around, having me spin and spin. And I was his toy. I was just his little toy. <laughs> and I could be his toy forever. 
And his girlfriend was there taking pictures, shooting video as we had this moment. And my girlfriend was somewhere waiting for our shoot to end so that we could have dinner together. I came down. We said our goodbyes. And I very quickly prioritized Seattle on my tour schedule. <laughs> have to get back there. I missed his smell, I missed his touch, I missed his rope. I had never felt anything like that. So I hurried back to Seattle. But this time, when I arrived in Seattle, I got to the location, opened the door, and there were two extra people there. Um, there was uh, these two people, and he, he introduces me, and he's like, this is Mark and Molly. Uh, Mark's going to tie you up, and Molly's going to flog you, and I'll take pictures. And I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. Cool, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, you know, I, I did my damsel in distress thing. And, oh, oh, yes, ooh. Ooh, and the whole time I was so fucking pissed off. I just wanted his hands on me. <sighs> I'm not very good at hiding my feelings. So um, in the car, as he's driving me back to the model apartment, I'm like gazing out the window, and I'm, I'm pretty bummed out. And he's like, hey, Maddie, what's wrong? What's up? Um, and I was like, you know, I know it's really silly, but I was... The whole time, I, I, thought, I thought, you were going to tie me up. I was really looking forward to it. You know, I get tied up by people all around the world, but it's different with you. And then he said something that changed everything. He said, oh, you know, there doesn't have to be a camera there for me to tie you up. <laughs> Fuck, this happens when there is not a camera there. <laughs> People get tied up when there is not a camera there. This could happen when there is a, not a camera there. But not for me, because the camera was the safe space, and that was the agreement with my girlfriend. But the next time that I returned to Seattle, it was different. I had broken up with my girlfriend. He had broken up with his girlfriend. And no camera could save us. He leaned in and he kissed me and I devoured him. And our bodies met and we fucked. We fucked long and we fucked hard and we shed all the layers of everything that had been keeping us from each other. And when I woke up the next morning and he was there, I knew our lives would never be the same. And every day I fall more deeply in love with James Mogul my daddy, my dominant, my husband, my co-parent, my partner in all things in life. I hope that all of you have 
incredible, kinky love stories that flow into your life. I'm wishing that with my fairy magic upon all of you right now. Thank you. song was Around My Neck by Phineas. I've got this tremendous fault, and it is that I kind of tell it like it is. I can't stand to lie. And you may have heard me this year, but it has been the hardest year ever for live shows in San Francisco. I have not been able to earn a living because even though I took a seven-month break in between my 16th anniversary and my show back on Folsom Street Fair, people just didn't sell out the room, even after a huge gap like that. And that means I'm broke. I am broke as fuck right now. And I'm trying to afford to travel cross country 
to go on tour because this is kind of like my Hail Mary pass. Maybe I can make money in other cities if I can't in my own city. So if you could go to Patreon and support me there, if you could go to Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, Zelle, any of those places, I really could use your help. It would be the best Christmas present ever. I've got a really good deal right now on Patreon where till you get to see me live, you can get 40 plus hours of body storytelling recorded on video and you get it at the $25 and up level on Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash body, B-A-W-D-Y, or go to Venmo or Cash App or PayPal or Zelle or write me an email and I'll tell you how to make it happen. But I really need help right now. This has been the hardest year financially yet. I was scared during the pandemic, but now that the world has opened back up, my show is really faltering. So thanks in advance for your help. Well, that's all our time for this week. But before I go, instead of what I usually say, I want to tell you that I am taking story pitches in the cities that you heard me list earlier on in this episode. And that means the time is now. I have many shows and I have to start planning them out. So send your story submission as soon as possible. Listen to the list of cities in this episode. And if you're in one of them, pitch me. Here's how to pitch me a story. I want you to record it. If you have a written version, that's fine. But really, what goes to the top of the pile is me hearing you tell the story. Go to the Voice Memo app or the Recorder app, depending on whether you have an iPhone or an Android, and record yourself telling the story. It doesn't have to be perfect. Don't stress out. I'm going to help you. I work with every storyteller to get them ready to get on stage, even if it's their very first time. You're going to take that recording, you're going to put your name on it, not my name, your name, and the name of the city that you're pitching a story for, and you're going to attach that recording to an email and send it to bodystorytelling at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about yourself in the email and send it as soon as you can. I mean, the earlier I get it, the better the chance you can be in this show. So send it to bodystorytelling at gmail.com as soon as possible. And thanks for doing that. I appreciate you and I'd love to put you on stage. I said thank you for that. And I must say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to Donald Mooney, David Grossoff, Mosa Maxwell-Smith, Roiland James, and podcast producer Roman Den Houdeker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this has been episode 282 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Oh, Oh,